On this episode, I'm going to introduce you to the concepts of metacognition and mindsets. And we're going to uncover your mindset about stress and discuss how, if you think about stress negatively, as most of us tend to do, that mindset might be causing you to show up in your life. We're examining our mindsets about stress as the first of a three-pronged approach to turning burnout into resilience. Welcome to Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast with Stephanie Lee. On this show, we're going to talk about what it means to be a late Gen X or early millennial woman dipping her toes into midlife. I'm talking specifically to the woman who sees this stage of life as an opportunity to reflect on her life to date and to begin the second half with intentionality and purposefulness, whatever that may mean to her. Hello, and welcome to episode six of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I want to really thank those of you that have rated and reviewed the show. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. If you're enjoying this podcast and you think it might be beneficial to others or they might enjoy it, please do take a minute to review on Apple Podcasts. Ratings and reviews are the way that people who are not already in my orbit, not following me on social media, which is, let's be real, most of the world could find out about this podcast. So I would be very grateful if you would do a rating and review again on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much. So when I tell people that I coach people who want to make change in their lives or that I have a podcast that talks about how to make life change... The most frequent obstacle that I hear about is how busy and overwhelmed they are. And because they're busy and overwhelmed, they're tired at the end of the day and they just want to crash. They actually do want to make change to their lives, but it just doesn't seem that possible right now. Or even important because they're just trying to survive in some ways. So as a result of that objection, I want to take a few weeks early in the podcast, to think about burnout. Specifically, if we can turn burnout into resilience, we want you to have some relief now so you can think more clearly about your life today. And then so you can also spend some time thinking about the future and what you actually want from the second half of your life instead of just reacting to what's in front of you. Last week... I introduced you to my three-step process to come to view the stress in your personal and professional lives as the catalysts for our own growth to develop resilience. So just as a reminder, we're going to do that in three steps, and that's by changing the mindset that we have about stress, intentionally interspersing stress with rest and recovery, and by purposefully soaking in these experiences to leverage neuroplasticity. So this week, we're going to address the mindsets that we have about stress. And you know what? We're going to do the same thing next week because I recorded a 48-minute version of this week's podcast and decided there was simply too much to say 
about our stress mindset for it to be meaningful in one podcast. So we're going to spend the time that it takes for this to be a meaningful conversation. So what is stress? Stress is interesting because it can mean so many things. It's really an umbrella term. We can be stressed about work things, personal things, things we believe are fairly trivial, and things that are in fact near and dear to us. We are stressed by things that make us happy and excited and by things that are devastating. We tend to think of stress as just one thing, but it's actually almost always a collection of things. And we also use a lot of different language to describe stress. The language of this podcast series is burnout. And when we're talking about burnout, I think of the stress as being mostly, though not exclusively, work-related, usually including stress about the available time and resources to complete what I need to do. Often, it's going to include worries about whether or not I will look like I know what I'm doing. And with burnout specifically, it's often got a feel to me of being a bit unrelenting. I have thoughts about being tired and not being able to keep up. And usually there are also some thoughts about other important things in my life that are being neglected. When I think of being stressed, usually for me, that's sort of like having a moment. I might be sitting at my desk and someone has just emailed and asked for one more thing and it's put me over the edge. Something's come to a head. My heart is beating fast. I may have a bit of tunnel vision. All of the things that I need to do are filling my head and I'm convinced I can't do them in the time allotted. I describe that as overwhelm. You may have other language around stress, pressure, anxiety, feeling rushed, or just too much to do. What other language do you use to talk about stress? On this episode, we're going to get acquainted with the story that we're telling ourselves about the role of stress in our lives. And we're going to do that by uncovering and examining our mindsets about stress. Now, it's likely that you've noticed in previous episodes that I talk about our brains as something almost separate from ourselves. And it's not just a weird way that I talk. It's something that I'm doing entirely on purpose. We think with our brains, obviously, but as human beings, we also have the ability to observe our own thinking. I've mentioned a couple of times the fact that our brains think a lot of the same thoughts day after day. I've talked too about how our parts of our brain are fearful and cautious and that this was actually adaptive in more primitive times. In the first episode, I referred to this part of our brain, the fearful part, as our Wilma Flintstone brain. And I've talked about our ability to observe and see this fear coming up and to recognize that we can use another part of our brains to observe and even comfort, if you will, Wilma part of our brain and decide to move forward, even when we're in fear. Notice that in all of this, I'm talking about the way that human brains respond generally. It's not personal to you or reflective really of anything about you. This is just how our brains do things, and we can take a seat, take a look at it. But for most of us walking around on a daily basis, it sounds kind of crazy to think about our brains thinking the same thoughts every day. Shouldn't I just say that we think the same thoughts every day? Also, 
when I say that our brains are thinking the same thoughts every day, it sounds weird, right? Because aren't our thoughts spontaneous? Don't they just come up in response to what's happening in our lives? So let me tell you my own experience of this. I was frustrated at work one day very early on after I had taken my current position. It happens, right? And I thought to myself, I'm just not a good fit here. And I had one of those moments where like the record squeaks and the music stops. And I was like, I heard the thought in my own mind and I immediately recognized it as familiar, but I knew that it didn't fit anymore. I had the thought and yet it wasn't actually even a thought that I believed because that thought, I'm just not a good fit here had been a go-to thought in my previous job. And when I found myself feeling frustrated in the new job, probably in a similar mood, it was like my brain went in and retrieved, I'm just not a good fit here, and then offered it back up to me and said, oh, is it this again? And this experience made it very clear to me at the time that I had acquired some habitual thoughts so was I was in a mood or whatever, those thoughts just came up now in a new space and in new circumstances, even though they were no longer a good fit. At the time, it made me aware of the presence of thoughts that don't fit the circumstances, that feel more like a reaction in my brain, which is why I call them habit thoughts, and less like a genuine response, that idea of thoughts coming up spontaneously. I was glad for that awareness because it allowed me to not worry about why I didn't fit in at the new job. I didn't go home and talk to my husband about it. I didn't begin to try to solve for the problem of not fitting in. I knew that even though I had that thought, it wasn't actually something I needed to take seriously. Another example of observing our own brains. I'm a longtime journaler. I have kept and written in a journal maybe since I was a preteen. Over time, I've realized just how helpful it is just to listen to the thoughts that are circulating in my head and get them out on paper. If I can't sleep, I will leave the room, grab my laptop, and begin to make a list of all of the things circulating in my brain. Usually if I can't sleep, my mind is racing and it's kind of all over the place. So I just sort of listen and start writing down all of the problems. Usually, it's things that need to be done at work, Maybe a couple things in particular that seem complicated or a little thorny. Maybe a conversation I had with someone where something didn't sit well and I want to go back and revisit that. Maybe then I also remember I need to call somebody back or make that appointment. And then I begin to wonder, did we give the dog his flea treat? These thoughts are just a jumbled mess. And I've been churning on all of the things. I can't get my arms around it and it's overwhelming. But when I get it down on paper, it's far more manageable. I can sift through it. And like with the I just don't fit here thought, there are often thoughts floating around in there that I don't really even believe, that I don't really need to pay any attention to. I was introduced to metacognition in a pedagogy class. Cognition refers to thinking, and meta is a term used when something refers back to itself. So the idea of metacognition is the idea of thinking about our thinking. 
at the time, metacognition was being introduced as an effective strategy to help students learn. Essentially, students can be taught to observe their own thinking and their own learning so that they can then direct their own learning. They can reflect on what they're learning and how it differs, maybe, from what they thought previously, what's interesting to them, what's confusing, what they want to know more about. And they can also learn to figure out how to master the things that they don't yet get. With time, they also get a sense of what they need to do to learn something more deeply when they're struggling. And they'll learn how to teach themselves about something in the future when they aren't in a classroom setting. So what I do when I'm journaling, and I look at the thoughts in my head, and looking at our mindsets like we're going to do today are essentially metacognitive strategies. First, we're going to create awareness of our thinking on about a given topic, stress. We can also then take that external role an observer role, to see what the impact of our thinking is, whether it serves us, and what we want to do about it. And you might say, you are talking about how I view stress, not about how a seventh grade student learns math. How is this at all relevant? That seventh grader is viewing math through the lens of what she has learned about math as a subject And we know that many girls have often acquired or absorbed an understanding that girls just aren't good at math, as well as her existing knowledge about math concepts like, say, the order of operations, and her own perceptions about where she's skilled and where she's not. All of this is present when she shows up for her seventh grade math class ready for the next lesson. Likewise, you are viewing the things in your life through the lens of what you have learned and come to believe about them, your mindset about them. So what is a mindset? A mindset is as simple as a thought about a topic. Many times it could be a collection of thoughts about a topic. Mindsets can include both factual information and data, such as the order of operations for our math student, as well as our own or others' perceptions and evaluations or interpretations, like what this girl has observed or been told about women in mathematics or what she believes about her own competence. We can also think of mindsets as a scaffolding or perhaps a shortcut, an easy way to look at something. Essentially, they save us mental energy and make our thinking more efficient. We're not starting from scratch each time. Sometimes our mindsets are well thought out and even something that we've actually developed purposefully. This is likely to be the case with something that we've learned about or studied academically or perhaps professionally, or maybe a controversial topic we've given a lot of thought to. But for the most part, our mindsets are absorbed and acquired and learned from our parents, our teachers, life experiences, things we've heard or read. And then they're kind of put together in our minds in a hodgepodge kind of way. You'd can have a mindset about anything from weight loss to what an equitable marriage looks like, what it means to be a good employee, or even what's appropriate to where to work. We have mindsets about important things and things that we don't actually give that much conscious thought to. And mostly, they're operating outside our awareness, filtering things, and as I mentioned, saving energy. Unless we are really intentional about digging them out and shining a light on them, or we start bumping up against them 
in some way with something that's happening in our lives, then we might give them conscious thought and sort of bring them to the table like we're going to do today. So for example, I was working with a client on weight loss and we were exploring how she might get started on a journey to lose weight permanently. And she said, I have a hard time believing that any little changes are going to work. I think I have always believed that you have to change everything about the way that you eat in order to really lose weight. But she wasn't actually ready at that time to change everything about the way that she ate. But she also believed that if she didn't do that, she wouldn't be successful. Now, is it true that you can't lose weight unless you change everything about the way that you eat? There are certainly programs and people who have lost weight this way or who promote this as a strategy to lose weight. And there are people and there are programs who have lost weight without sort of throwing everything out about the way that they eat and starting over. So it's not that what she thought was untrue per se, but it wasn't helping her to see ways that she might get started right now with her weight loss. And in that way, it wasn't serving her. But to her, it felt like truth. Kelly McGonigal, who I'll cite more in this episode and our next one, wrote in her book, The Upside of Stress, a mindset doesn't feel like a choice that we make. It feels like an accurate assessment of how the world works. And often that is the case until we investigate the mindset, which we can't do until we're aware of it. So our mindsets are operating outside of our awareness, and yet they become a filter for the way that we look at things. So this is where that metacognition comes in, right? We can create awareness of what our mindsets are about a topic, and then we can see whether or not we like the effects of our mindset. We can even do that with our mindset about stress. And I'm suggesting that we want to do so because our mindsets matter. And perhaps you will say to me, it doesn't actually matter what we think, Stephanie. What matters is what's true. Our mindsets often include things that are true. And they also include things that are just opinions or perspectives, sometimes not even our own opinions or perspectives. Sometimes they do include things that once we objectively look at them, we realize aren't true. And they actually pretty rarely include the whole truth. Again, that's not what they're for. They're shortcuts. So what is your mindset about stress? Maybe you aren't even sure that you have one, but I bet that you do. So let's take a few minutes to uncover your mindset about stress. All you need is your device or a pen and paper to jot down what you think about stress. I'll give you some prompts to get started with finding your thoughts, but don't feel like you need to limit yourself to these prompts or even to the term stress, pressure, busyness, overwhelm. These are other words that might be helpful to you, or there might be others. Think of this really just as opening up your brain and pouring out all of your thoughts about stress unfiltered. To get you started, I would suggest thinking about a time when you felt stressed out. Do you remember what you were thinking? What about the role of stress in your life? What comes up when you think about that? 
I'm going to share with you some thoughts about stress that I've had over time and that I've heard from others. And we're just going to kind of go through these and you may realize that some of these belong to you too. And you may include them in your list of, of thoughts that make up your stress mindset. Others may not resonate with you. There's not enough time to do all this. I'm not going to be able to do this when I'm feeling so stressed. I'm never going to be able to finish this. This is ridiculous. This isn't good for me. This is going to take a toll on me. I'm not going to be able to sleep. I should be able to tolerate more stress. I need to find ways to tolerate more stress. I'm sensitive to the effect of stress, maybe more sensitive than other people. Stress is hard on my body. It's dangerous. I run to relieve stress. It's important that I build in time to recover from stress. I need to just relax. I'm just in a season where there's a lot of stress. Stress is unavoidable. I hope that my life is not always this stressful. I can learn to manage my stress effectively. Stress can be managed with proper rest, nutrition, and exercise. I need to structure my life to mitigate the effects of stress. All of these thoughts just give us a sense of maybe what our actual thoughts are in our minds about stress. Whatever your collection of thoughts is, this makes up your mindset about stress. Most of us have learned and been taught about the harmful effects of stress. Just scroll through Instagram or Facebook and notice the headlines and all of the, the warnings uh, about stress and all of the things you need to do about it. So generally, cold, most of us are going to come to this topic with pretty negative thoughts about stress. But we do see some glimmers of hope in that list, right? We believe we can manage stress effectively, and we see that there are strategies to mitigate the negative effects of stress. So let's take it a step further and look at the impact of your stress mindset. So we're going to do some of the metacognition that I talked about before. So we're going to examine these thoughts. Everything that I read to you, we're going to consider that our stress mindset. So we're going to take this list of thoughts about stress that I read to you. We're going to assume for these purposes that this is my mindset about stress. And I'm going to go through and illustrate a little bit of a metacognitive practice with it and kind of take a look and see what I see what I see and share that with you. So what do I notice in my thoughts about stress? So I see fear about what the long-term effects of stress might be. So I'm seeing stress as a bit of a threat to my health, to my well-being, longevity. There's also language that seems to reflect that it's outside of my control. I kind of can't help it. And I have like a cocktail, an emotional cocktail of frustration, resentment, anger, that my life is stressful, which points to a belief that my life shouldn't be stressful, which is interesting. There's also a belief present that stress needs to be managed or corrected for with strategies. And then I see too some beliefs about my own ability to tolerate stress. I don't have enough of an ability to tolerate stress. I should be different. I mean, just looking at this a little bit, I feel like you can see how this line of thinking isn't doing me any favors. In fact, as I think about burnout, I tend to think of burnout as an equation of stress plus a belief in stress as a threat plus insufficient rest and a lack of control equals burnout. 
And I'm seeing a lot of all of that here. So I can see that my mindset about stress is setting me up for burnout. So I'm going to make a couple of other observations, right? My language is pretty unequivocal. There's no room for the idea that stress isn't very dangerous. The language also feels pretty heightened and emotional, and it's for sure got to be winding me up. I'm also interested in this belief that my life shouldn't be stressful. If I'm taking the position of the observer and I'm noticing this, I, would, I might want to ask, is it true? Should life not be stressful? As I look to other people, do I expect their lives not to be stressful? And then I've got these beliefs about my own ability to tolerate stress, maybe some perception of weakness in this area and a sense that I should be different. As I said, for sure, I'm thinking that I am weak and that I should change. That can't be making me feel better. In future episodes, we're going to talk about a way to model our thoughts, specifically how our thoughts create feelings, which fuel actions, which ultimately produce our results. But for today, we're just going to speculate a little informally about how I would show up with this kind of thinking going on in my head. So I'm bracing against stress. I'm resentful or somehow surprised by stress or additional demands. I'm really strongly believing that things should be different and I'm judging myself. I look at this and I think, ooh, that's bad. But remember, our mindsets are often outside of our conscious awareness, and they aren't the only thoughts that we're thinking at any given time. So this might be playing over here a little bit, but it's not the only piece of the puzzle, and it's probably not something I'm thinking consciously. But with this kind of thinking outside of my conscious awareness, but again, present, how might it affect how I'm showing up? Actually, now that I know that it's there... I can choose not to react or respond to it. Not unlike how I told you when I had the thought, I'm not a good fit here. And I realized it was just a thought from a previous time and place, and I actually didn't need to do anything about it. So I'm going to suggest here that there is a big benefit of awareness that seems really easy to gloss over. When you realize you're thinking things that aren't actually helping you to show up in your life in the way that you want to, You can be aware of them and choose not to react to them. Just allow them to be there. But to do this, you might also want to ask yourself, where does the stress mindset kind of show up for me? Another way of asking this might be, what are the triggers in daily life that cause me to start telling my story about stress to myself or even to other people? So this could happen in moments when I'm feeling stressed, when people ask me about my day, how work is, how I'm doing. How often do you say, I'm so busy? There's so much to do. When I start thinking about things I can do to take care of myself in light of stress, now that one's interesting, right? Because surely it's the right thing to be thinking about how I'm going to take care of myself in light of stress. But even when we talk about managing stress, we are operating from the assumption that stress is a problem. Also, what about when I tell myself or I tell other people or hear from other people that I need to be careful and not overdo it? The idea that stress or burnout is a dangerous trap that I can fall into. 
So this week, I'm going to ask you just to listen to yourself a little bit. Listen to your thoughts. What do you tell yourself about the stress in your life? What do you tell other people about your life and your level of stress when they ask you what's going on? What do you tell your friends who you see that you would call stressed out? Notice these thoughts and begin to notice the effect of these thoughts. You might think that I'm going to tell you just to think positively and put a pretty gloss over this and say to yourself, yeah, we know that stress is objectively bad for you. It's just the truth. But is it? In her TED Talk in Scotland in 2013, Kelly McGonigal, who is a health psychologist at Stanford University, I mentioned her earlier, she's the author of The Upside of Stress, gave a presentation regarding her reformed ideas about stress. As a health psychologist, McGonigal had been teaching about the dangers of stress, believing this to be her work in a public health crisis. That was until she came across a 1998 study. In this study, 30,000 American adults were asked how much stress they had been under in the past year and whether or not they believed that stress was harmful to them. Eight years later, the researchers used public records to determine which of the study participants had died. Interestingly, high levels of stress increased the threat of dying by 43%, but only for those participants who also believed that stress was harmful to their health. Those that reported high levels of stress but didn't believe that stress was harmful to their health, they had a lower risk of death than anyone else in the study even those with little stress. Now that's not at all what we'd expect. So you have two groups, both reporting high levels of stress, and one is at the far end with a 43% increase in the threat of dying after eight years. And the other, the group who don't believe that stress is harmful, but are still experiencing it, and they have the best outcomes of anybody participating in the study. So it appears, at least in this study, that the experience of self-reported high levels of stress plus the belief that stress was harmful was correlated with the worst outcome. And those that had a lot of stress and didn't think it was harmful, they fared the best. As you're watching your own thinking about stress this week, give some time to think about how or why it could be that these people who reported a high level of stress and yet didn't believe it was harmful to them fared the best. What might be different about these individuals? Next week, we're going to talk more about the mechanisms at play, and I'm going to share some additional research with you. But I'm hoping you can see a bit about the amazing power of your mind when it comes to stress and burnout. Importantly, my objective here today is not to convince you that the mindset that you have about stress is wrong and dangerous and that you need to change it. I really don't want to convince you of anything. My objective is to offer you the possibility that there might be another way of looking at stress, that there is in fact more to the story about stress, and to suggest that the way we look at stress as something happening to us that we can't control may be a part of what creates our experience of burnout. 
both our perception of our own burnout as well as our actual physiological reaction to stress. We spent this week talking about metacognition, mindsets, and how to become aware of our mindset about stress. This is part of a first step in a three-step process to help us turn burnout into resilience. And we're going to do this and take the edge off of burnout so that we might experience some relief today, as well as free up some mental space and mental energy to devote time to thinking about what is most important for us in the second half of our lives. I introduced you to the idea of mindsets as a thought or collection of thoughts about a given thing and suggested that you uncover your own mindset about stress simply by writing down your thoughts about stress and then examining them to see what's there and speculate about the results that might be created by that mindset. During this week, please do watch and listen to your thoughts about stress. How and where do they show up? Just notice. And again, maybe speculate about those folks who had high stress and didn't believe it was harmful. How'd they do so well? What might if they have believed instead? Next week, we're going to talk some more about why there are some good reasons to change your mindset about stress and how you might want to go about doing that. Go to stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash episode six. And find not only the show notes for this episode, but a worksheet that I've created with some questions that you could use to apply what we've talked about today to your own life. You can use these as journal prompts if you like. The link, again, that's stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash episode six is going to be in the description of whatever app you're listening to or watching on. Thank you for sticking with me through the sixth episode of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. I do hope you'll join me back here on your favorite podcast player or at YouTube, wherever you like to listen or watch. Wherever you do listen, please do like and subscribe. Tell your friends. And if you're enjoying this, please rate a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help others to find the show. Have a great week. And I can't wait to chat with you again soon. Bye. Bye.